and welcome to episode 40 of Slaytanic Vercast. I'm Mo from France and to my west, broadcasting live from Monty Don's secret cannabis allotment in Wotton Warren, it's Dr. Lequescence. How you doing, Doc? As usual, um, well, not as usual, actually. Uh, as usual, I'm doing fine. Unusually, <laughs> um, I'm high as three different kinds of kite. I wasn't planning to. Um, all I was planning to do was to um, test out one of my new mouths that was attached to one of my new stomachs, mm. um, which isn't actually a stomach at all, it's a rumen. Um, oh, yes. I, 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 grew, I grew it especially for digesting plant material. Yes, you, you, you are part ruminant after all. That's right. Um, so there appeared to be a superabundance of this, this, this vegetable matter around. Mm. And um, yeah, my, uh, my, my, my special nibbling mouth got to work. Um, grinding up the material and, and, and feeding it into my plant matter digesting um, three-lobed stomach. Mm. And a massive feeling of well-being came upon me. Oh, good, it good. took me a while to realise what it was. Mm. You're floating, you're floating, Doc. Some people get paranoid, you know, when they're not used to it, but it, it, it seems to have quite a positive effect on you so far. But there are various things I, I, I'm, I'm not unused to. Um, as you know, I have two enormous bladders mm-hmm. uh, to uh, to the front and back of my head, which I can inflate with hydrogen gas. Um, the hydrogen gas being produced from the bones of the various live creatures that have to be dissolved in strong acid in, 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 in my main stomach. Of course. Um, so I, I, can, I can inflate those and, 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 and float around. Um, on warm, windless days, quite effortlessly anyway. So that's, that's nothing new. Um, I think what's, what's most unusual um, is just the absence of misanthropic thought. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm feeling kind of at peace with the world and I don't want to destroy it. Oh, God. It's a bit of a problem considering we're about to talk about um, a, you know, a horror-inflected slayer track. You got problems. I've got no problems. No, I feel no. bad for you. Problem. I feel really bad for you if you've got problems. Because oh you know what? I've got no problems. <laughs> I don't even know what. No, no. I don't know what we're going to do with you, Doc. I don't know what we're going to do. Um, listen, nothing is happening. Um, nothing new, anyway. I, I spoke last time about you know my, my, my newfound kind of um, peace and tranquility. Um, but nothing really new has happened. Um, oh, I suppose the one thing I, I could talk about, this is day three for me without, without any tobacco product. Oh, it, 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 I think day three and four are the toughest, aren't they, Doctor? Have you ever gone this, you know, for, the, for this duration without at least smoking something? When you get used to the weed as it was intended to be, you'll find you don't need any of that tobacco. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm kind of hoping. I'm, I'm hoping you're right there, Doc. Mm-hmm. I had my first little flash of anger um, as a result of nicotine withdrawal. Um, I was walking the dog, and the dog was off the lead, as is, as is his want when he's in the place called the meadow. Um, and another <laughs> guy said to me, whose, whose dog was also off the lead, by the way, said to me, um, he said, excuse me, he said, could, could, you, um, could, you, could, you, could you keep your dog away from my dog? Because my dog isn't very good with other dogs. Um, and the first thought that flashed through my head was, 
You want to watch your fucking tone, mate, to those I'll smash your fucking head in. Um, now, totally irrational, Doc. Totally irrational. And just simply down to nicotine with... I'm sure there was absolutely nothing wrong with his tone of voice at all. Um, are you attempting... Did you attempt to, to manage your withdrawal at all? Or are you attempting the uh, the cold turkey thing? Full cold, full, full cold turkey. Um... So yeah, you know, I'm kind of, I've, 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 I've hit about eighty hours now, and so this is the roughest period. Today and tomorrow are going to be the roughest periods. And to be honest, it's perfectly manageable. You know, it comes in waves. Um, you, I know what it is when I, when, you know, when I feel that kind of cold, burning fury in my soul. I know exactly what's causing <laughs> it, um, and I know that it will go away in in two or three days' time. So it's just a case of gritting the teeth and. And getting through it and showing a bit of willpower, I suppose, Doc. Sure. Yeah, I'll get there. I'll get there, brother. Um, <clears throat> okay, let's get on with it. Um, no video game update this week, although there's a really good one coming down the pike for next time. So look forward to that. Um, a bit of chow time, motherfucker. Um, and we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, I'm afraid, Doc. So gird your loins. We don't, we're going in. In the last episode, the good, good doctor said that metal wouldn't sound out of place on the soundtrack to Harmony Corrine or a Lars von Trier film. Well, it turns out it has been used. The soundtrack to Gummo by Harmony Corrine features music from the likes of Apsu, Bethlehem, Burzum, Virgeria and Neifelheim. And more besides, how about that, how about that doc? Metal as fuck. Great. Um well, it, it doesn't. It doesn't get much more metal than that, does it? I, I, it's just one of those things where you can say none more metal. I know it really doesn't. Um, in the South of Heaven episode, I said that Sepultura didn't become well known until 1989-1990. Well, truth is, their first release was in 1986, which was Morbid Visions, followed by the much improved Schizophrenia in 1987 but it wasn't until 1989's beneath remains that they truly broke out beyond the borders of their native brazil so i think i can give myself a pass on that one dog they, they had stuff out previously they didn't go global until 89 uh, will you let me off of course i will there um have you ever listened to Morbid Morbid Visions all morbid the way through? Morbid Visions. Um, yes, I have. Yeah, I definitely have. <laughs> um, you know, way back in the day. It, it, it didn't stick with me. I mean, it's a very, very primitive affair in terms of uh, production values. Do you think, as one of our in-between season side projects, yeah. we've been discussing this, like, should, should we occasionally do a side project and basically do this format? But with an album that isn't by Slayer, but is, is, is somehow historically related. Uh-huh. So considering um, what a redemptive reading we ended up giving to the first Slayer album, yeah. do you think it would be a good idea if we, if, if, if we did this with, with, with Morbid Visions? Well, there's a, I mean, there are a few albums like that, aren't there? You've got, you've got Morbid Visions, um, and you've, you, I would say another candidate would be the first Bolt Thrower album, In Battle There Is No Glory, something like that it's called. Um, you know, you've what got the first it? Carcass album, potentially. Um, I'm convinced this is an example of, a, a very convoluted example of the um, Mandela effect. Yeah. I'm convinced that there are two parallel universes that are very, very close, and it's possible for anyone to slip between the two of them. Yeah. And the only difference is that in one of them, 
the first Bolt Thrower album is called In Battle There Is No Glory, and The Recomputrefaction is the first Carcass album. In the other one, um, the first Bolt Thrower album is called In Battle There Is No Law. Ooh! Um, and Symphonies of Sickness is the first Carcass album. Oh, God, Doc, you've, you've blown my mind there. And which reality are we in at the moment? Well, um, it's a, a Schrodinger's cat type thing. Um, at the moment, we're in neither or both, and it won't be until, for instance, I were to do an internet search on yeah. what is the first Thrower album. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm kind of reluctant to do it just now. Yeah, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I like the, I like the um, idea that both possibilities remain true. I like it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Keep that cat alive, so, uh, for God's sake. Yeah. Um, and then, well, let's let's keep the cat indeterminate. Let's yeah. keep the cat in a state of, of indeterminacy, neither alive nor dead. Yeah. Um, which is um, a fortuitous reference, considering the song we're doing today. Absolutely, it's 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 almost like we script this stuff, isn't it, Doc? Um, yeah. I I speculated um, that in the last episode, I speculated that the phrase "the root of all evil." was a biblical quotation, but we weren't, you weren't particularly convinced and I wasn't really convinced either. Well, I've checked it out, Doc. Turns out I was right. And here it is. It's from Timothy 6.10, to be exact. And here's the quote. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which, while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So there we go, Doc. Straight from King, King James's book itself. Napalm Death. We we weren't quite sure of their um of their place of origin, were we? And you you were talking about Coventry. I was insisting that they were that they were Brummies. Um, here's here's the truth according to Wikipedia. Napalm Death are an English grindcore band formed in Meriden, West Midlands, in 1981. And Meriden is a village and civil parish in the metropolitan borough of Solihull, West Midlands. Historically. It is part of Warwickshire and lies between the cities of Birmingham and Coventry. So in a crazy kind of way, Doc, we were both right. Yeah, um, I didn't know it was Meriden. Um, it's it's pretty hilarious because if you've ever been there, um, Meriden is an adorable little Warwickshire village. Yeah. Um, about a mile and a half off the A45, which is the dry straight road that does in fact go directly from the middle of Birmingham to the middle of Coventry. Mm. Um I reckon if you were to pace from Birmingham Airport to um, Coventry Railway Station, Meriden would be almost exactly halfway along that road. Oh, there we go. Yep, yep. So, yep, arguments for, for both cities, really. Um, bit of good news. Costamongers is still alive and thriving, Doc. It's, and it's still kicking it as, as, a rock, as a rock pub in Birmingham City Centre. Isn't that great? Isn't that fantastic? Yeah, I really, really, really cheered me up. And the last, um, the last little correction here. Uh, we were talking about Nocturnus, as, as is our want, um, as we do far, <laughs> as we do far too often. Um, and we were talking about. about you can't talk about Nocturnus too often. The, the, the only criticism is not talk, talking about Nocturnus enough. <laughs> I know we need to do a, we need to do a spin-off special, don't we? A Nocturnus spin-off podcast special, one hundred and fifty episodes, all about the album The Key. <laughs> 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 we can do it. <laughs> um, now we, we were talking about uh, um, a couple of tracks in particular. Um, now 
we talked about a track called Enter the Droids. The track is not called Enter the Droids. The track is called Droid Sector. Um, and Enter the Droids is the, is the lyric. It's a great title still. Um, and the other track I mentioned was um, BCAD. That is not the title. The title is Before Christ, After Death. There we go. So just to clar- just clarifications for the pedants of this world. Um, you ready for your topic, Doc? I certainly am. Uh, give me a number between one and four, please, my good man. Three. Number three. Okay, now, I'm shaking things up a bit here. Normally I ask you a question, but the section is not called question of the week. It is called topic of the week. So I'm taking it literally. Um, I've always struggled with prog rock, Doc. Tell me why I'm wrong. I'm not convinced you are wrong. Mm. Uh, the kind of music that people that that is i struggle with prog rock um i love a very big chunk of progressive rock mm-hmm. um, and the distinction i make is progressive rock was um, an ethic or a, a, a politic or a method of working yeah um out of the there's always a big four right out of the big four progressive rock bands so basically, yes, Genesis, King Crimson, and I'm going to say Van de Graaff Generator. Sure. None of those bands sound anything like each other. Um, what they have in common, if anything at all, is a will or a willingness or a desire or a need to push rock and roll beyond the constraints of 12-bar blues and three-minute songs. Mm. That is literally the only thing they have in common. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, three out of four of them of those bands are highly skilled musicians. Van de Graaff Generator are not particularly, but they can play, but they're not particularly virtuoso musicians. Okay. Um, I mean, I, yes. I must be honest. They're, they're, they're the one that I'm pretty much utterly unfamiliar with. The, the other three are, you know, I'm 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 slightly versed in, but no, Van de Graaff Generator, no, not a clue. They're the most night that. They're considered to be an influence on post-punk yeah. uh, because the, 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 they can play, but they're not particularly virtuoso musicians. Um, and what they make up for in classical skill or trained skill, they make up for with um, innovation and just the willingness to do very, very strange things. Sure. Um, so progressive rock, I love. I would say by 1974, maybe even earlier, maybe by, by, by 1973, um, something very, very bad happened. Um, within a very short space of time, all of those bands I began to believe their own hype or began to believe all of, this, all of the stuff that was being said about them. To wit, long automatically equals better, mm-hmm. excessive displays of musicianship equal better. Mm-hmm. Um, people are going to want to know why I didn't include Emerson, Lake and Palmer. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the big four um that's because emerson lake and palmer were already a progressive rock super group yeah yeah uh, and they 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 didn't have to fight um they were three members of three that the, there were three established members who were already who had already been in three wildly successful bands and their success was guaranteed um where, where would so, ELO uh, fit in all of this, Doc? Sorry to, sorry to interrupt. It just came into my head. ELO, you know, Mr. Blue Sky and all of that stuff. That sounds pretty 
pretty damn proggy to me. Where, where do they slot in? Uh, yellow, the, um, the, if you like, they could never be truly progressive because they were just too damn popular. Right. I think at one point, ELO had 10 albums in the US Top 100. Oh, God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that situation persisted for several years. Mm. They have progressive rock parts, but fundamentally they were always about um, writing tunes that people could hum, writing songs that people could sing. They never ever went as far out as the true progressive rock bands did. Yeah, um, it's it's a question. Um, I, I mean, it's sort of one of those questions: um, is Nine Flies on Grey Velvet a slasher film, um, or is it a giallo? Yeah, yeah, no, 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 I, yeah, I understand it, and, and this is you know something that um, you know kind of. I don't know, like, like, you know, people can get very, very pedantic about, can't they, kind of like genre classifications. Um, what, what influence would you say that prog rock has had on the music that I primarily listen to? Now, you know, you, you know my musical taste very well, Doc. You know, so I'm thinking Maiden would be, would be a prime example where, you know, they've got progressive tendencies at times, um, you know, so you know, what what, what influence am I, am I missing? I'm just not hearing. What do you reckon? Jethro Tull. Jethro Tull. Uh-huh. Yeah. Listen, uh, listen to "Living in the Past" by Jethro Tull, and then listen to the first Iron Maiden album, and right. tell me if you can't spot a direct line of descent. Yeah, sure. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So, what I want—I just need to finish up my previous part, which yeah, is please. to say that by 1975, something very bad had happened. A lot of these people began to believe their own hype. Um, yes, dropped the Tales from Topographic Oceans album, and mm. Genesis almost at the same time dropped the Lamb Lies Down on Broadway album, which are great big sprawling self-indulgent messes. Um, in both cases, they led to an important member of the band leaving because they thought the the, the thing had just got stupid um, is, is, and gone uh, far is, enough. Am I right? Doc? Tales is a double double album. Am I right about that? No, uh, it's um, it, it's 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 merely a double album, oh, but right. it has only got it has only got four songs on it. Oh, that's it. Okay, yeah, I, I knew there was something quirky about it. Yeah, um, and uh, I I've never made it all the way through in one go. Mm. It's really not an enjoyable experience to listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the aftermath of that, what you're left with is not an ethic or a politic. Um, what you're left with is a style. And pretty much everything that comes out of that is, is, is people who are now pretty confident that they know what prog rock is and they know they can play it. And so what you have to do is start with a keyboard part that rips off some back, um, but played in a funny time signature. Um, then you have to have um, some words about uh, some, some lyrics about wizards and dragons um, <laughs> and, 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 and an epic tale. Um, then you have to have the first of at least three stupid guitar solos, then an organ solo, then the second of three stupid guitar solos, then another organ solo, then the third of three stupid guitar solos, um, then some more bad sixth form poetry, concluding your tale of wizards and dragons. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, probably a Rachmaninoff-influenced um, piano outro at the mm-hmm. end. Mm-hmm. And the thing 
the thing very, very quickly ossified into a style. So of the music you listen to, um, I think if you listen to some Jethro Tull from the late 60s, you're going to pick up a turn of influences on Iron Maiden. Yeah. Um, I think if you listen to a lot of those cookie cutter prog rock bands from the late 70s, you will find um, a bunch of very silly influences that were picked up by European power metal and done much, much better, done with a lot more spirit and a lot more energy and a lot more fun. Yeah. And... Uh, a lot less stiff-faced pomposity. Well, I was going to say that that word you just used there, Doc, fun. I think I think that's something that's always put me off, like classical prog rock, is it, it does seem incredibly po-faced and serious. I I would absolutely agree with you about prog rock when 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 that became a thing, um, and you know it was a bunch of people who were far more interested in pimping their own skills and showing yeah. off. Yeah. Um, if you go back to the early 70s, yeah. um, and once again, you, you have to approach it as the product of a culture that um, was never ours. I was a few years too late for it. You were quite a few years too late for it. Mm. Um, and th there's, there's so much um, innovation. There's so much trying. There's so much effort. And there's, there is a lot of ego. Uh, but along with the ego comes a great deal of ability. Mm -hmm. uh, I think those first, so I mean, those sort of second and third Yes albums, those second and third Genesis albums, um, King Crimson are a completely different prospect because every one of their albums does, is, is completely different. Yes. Um, none of them even sound yes. remotely like each other. Mm -hmm. And then um, Van de Graaff Generator sort of took the basic dimensions of you—you uh, you get the idea that the the drummer probably learned to play drums in the Boys Brigade marching band. Um, the keyboard player was probably forced through piano lessons up to about grade four, mm -hmm. um, and then got bored and found an electronic organ from somewhere and, and started tinkering with that. Yeah. Um, the saxophone player would really, really, really loved to have been John Coltrane. Um, I mean, he's not, he's not even close. Um, but in his own mind, he can play all those runs and he can play all of those like way out harmonies and all of these shredding time signatures. Mm. Um, and then Peter Hamill, the singer, I think is, I say this um, knowing perfectly well what I'm saying. I think it's the closest you'll ever get to a... a an open window into the depths of a very dark soul. Sure. Mm -hmm. Put bluntly, the guy can't sing, um, but what he's able to do with his very limited vocal ability, and this is why I think, this is one of the reasons I think there's such a big influence on post-punk, um, because it's from Van de Graaff Generator that you get the idea that you can push your ambition beyond your ability. If you really, really admire John Coltrane, you can try to play like that and you won't be able to, but the important thing is to push yourself beyond the envelope of what you thought you were capable of doing. Mm. I did, I, that's I, why I think... Your description, you know, of the vocalist in that way really brought to mind um, Ian Curtis. And so then, of course, you, you, you kind of reference post-punk and, you know, obviously that Joy Division fall into that. So maybe it's no surprise that that's, that's where my brain went to. Well, I don't think it's a coincidence that they're both from Manchester. Yeah, 
I don't think it's uh, I don't think that's a coincidence at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, once again, I, I think if you listen to a song like, um, well, it's a pretty good title. If you listen to the song "Darkness" or "Pioneers Oversea" by Van der Graaff Generator, and then listen to something off Joy Division's "Closer" album, mm-hmm. I, I, I think you might come to the conclusion that you, your your guess or your assumption was a lot closer than you thought. Yeah. Doc, I think we need to wrap this section up uh, just about now. But yeah, th- th- thank, thanks for your thoughts there, Doc. Uh, uh, it's been very, very illuminating. Um, don't forget, guys, you can contact us on Twitter at Vercast or on email at slytanicvercast at gmail.com. You can also go to Facebook at slytanicvercast if you are a pervert. But we do check it from time to time. Um, let's, go, let's get on to part two. Okay, welcome to part two of the show. Here, we're just going to play the track, as surely you know by now. Um, Today's track is track three from South of Heaven, which is, of course, called Live Undead. Here we go. so doomy dark what do you reckon um how no album is that i know yeah it really is doesn't it sound like i mean that that, that riff could <coughs> really really easily be off the off the first album couldn't it um yeah or um off something by witchfinder general yeah um yeah absolutely um yeah. so it's it's been a long time since uh, slayer um, put their dainty feet into the the brackish waters of Nawabam, mm-hmm. um, but they're, they're, they're doing it here. They are. Um, yeah. This is not the first time we've heard Slayer flirt with Doom, though, is it? Mm. Well, no, it's not, and that's why I referenced um, the first album, because there were definitely a couple of tracks on there. I think we talked about, um, was it the intro to Jesus Saves? It's like this kind of really kind of grimy Doom, has this kind of really grimy doomy feel to it as well where they slow everything down well, and just play epic kind of minor chord progressions and we're seeing we're seeing the same that, thing here really that's right um it's about te- that that one jesus saves it's about 10 bpm too fast to be true but yeah. i believe we commented if they slowed that down um by 25 percent um that could easily have been a cathedral riff mm. Let's carry on a bit. I'm fascinated to see um, how much the Nawabum continues. Okay. I'm, I'm enjoying this very much so far. Yeah. of this is just exquisite isn't it it's just evoking this real kind of atmosphere of of horror and dread um 
oh man, Slayer, slow down more often. This is fucking awesome. I this this is maybe why another one of the many many reasons that this was the first Slayer album that that, that really got me. Um, this is far more the pace I'm used to in mm. the other, even the other metal I listen to, um, and I. I like Slayer best when they slow down. Mm -hmm. um, I know this is pretty much the main difference between you and me. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, I'm a bit of a speed demon, aren't I? Whereas, you, you know, you, you, you like things to, to, to crawl and grind a little bit. I don't know if I would really appreciate a whole entire album of Slayer at this pace. Mm -hmm. But when they do it, they're the parts of Slayer that I seem to enjoy the most. Well, it, 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 and it's demonstrative of their versatility, isn't it? You know, they, they can, they, you know, they, they, they can write, you know, like Blitzkrieg-style thrash, as in the, as in the, the, the last track we did, Silent Scream, um, and then, and then they can do this, you know, and on top of that, they can do, you know, the, 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 the terrifying, morbid melodies such as. Um, the opening track of the album, South of Heaven itself. Um, they, they, they are showing such remarkable um, variation in just in the opening three tracks of this album. I think, I think they're to be commended, sir. Yeah. And if we, as if another one were needed, if we need to sort of chalk up yet another reason why Slayer deserved their place as one of the great bands in the history of music, mm. um, then... Um, I when when applied to the styles that people play, I don't like the word diversity. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's used far too often to mean inability to pick on a style and stay with it. Yeah, because it could mean you know you could use it synonymously with incoherent, couldn't you? Definitely, you could. Yeah, yeah. So well, Slayer never feel like they're doing that. Um, Slayer feel like there's a point to every single thing that they do, mm. and they've thought about it and. I don't even mind it when bands experiment, but when bands experiment with a style other than the one they've mastered, it doesn't always go. It's always interesting, but it, it, it you often end up coming to the end of the track, stroking your chin, going, "Hmm, that was interesting." Yeah, yeah. And it's making a mental note to skip it in future. Possible we may encounter one or two of, the, of those kind of tracks a little bit later on this album. Who's to know? <laughs> definitely possible. Um, what, what do you make of that lead line underneath the verse, Doc? That digga 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 digga. What do we make of that? It's beautiful, and mm. you can hear the bass. Yeah, you you can. And I'll tell you something as well, Doc. That is hard as fucking nails to play um, individually. As a riff, as like a one-bar repetition, it is dead, dead yeah. simple. But to play that consistently for the for the length of time that they play it, it is really, really challenging to stay in time, um, you know, and, and and not to fluff any of the notes. It's yeah, it's tough. So, is this like one of those superficially simple manual dexterity exercises? where the first repetition you can do with no problems. And yeah. when someone says to you right now, repeat that 60 times. Exactly. And yeah. by about time, by the time you've done it 10 times, you're really having to concentrate. And by the time you've done it 20, you just, you can't keep a grip on it at all. And your fingers go to pieces. It, it, it's as if, I mean, you know, when, I have never truly mastered this track because of that riff. Um, and, 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 and it's, it's, it's the strangest thing. It's as if you kind of, 
it's as if I'm, I lose the ability to keep musical time in my head. I can play it once. Maybe I can play it four times. But yeah, by the time you get to 15, 16, 25 repetitions, you know, tr just trying to play that. It's just a simple roll down, a simple roll down the fretboard. Um, it shouldn't be hard, but trying to nail that and keep it in time every time. Oh, it's beyond me, Doc. Do you think the track is possessed? Mate? Do I think, do you think the what? track is Do you think the track is demon? Do you think that guitar part is demonically possessed? <laughs> well, I certainly hope so. I certainly hope so. Um, let's have a bit more. See what I see. What, see how it develops. <laughs> I'm going to start sounding like a broken record when we're listening to this album. But, I mean, Dave, he, he's just fucking going for it again. Those fills, those rolls around rolls around the toms, um, like the deft work on, on the bass drum. I, I cannot think of a drumming performance I prefer than Dave Lombardo on the South of Heaven album. I think he's on top of his game. Um, I think it's absolutely sensational. And I'm going to risk sounding like a broken record now. I don't understand. To me, it's impossible that Dave Lombardo was not recognised as being one of the best drummers in the history of music yeah. on the strength of this album. Yeah. I, I don't understand how... I don't understand how it couldn't happen. Um, it, there's, there's no angle under which you, you can criticise him. Um, he can keep. Can he keep time? Yes, of course he can. Fucking keep time. Mm -hmm. um, can he play complex rhythms? Yes. Mm -hmm. Can he play simple rhythms? Yes. Um, can he keep it interesting and avoid repeating himself? Yes. Um, can he do rock solid and just support the rest of the rhythm section when he has to? Yes. Um, can he solo and front as well as any guitarist? Yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, 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 to me, it's. It's impossible, and it's a great injustice of history. Yeah. The, um, you know, I, I agree with every word you're saying, Doc. And, <clears throat> but it, it seems to me, you know, from, from reading around the subject, even, even his bandmates didn't quite appreciate him, um, you know, because from, from the recording of Rainy Blood onwards, you know, Dave was in and out of the band, um, you know, a couple of months in, a couple of months out, you know, did a tour, cancelled a tour. He was replaced by Paul Bostoff periodically. Um, and all all of it because, you know, he wasn't given um, due financial recompense based on writing credits. You know, I'm sorry, if, if, if I was Tom, Jeff and Kerry, I would, I would have sat the other two guys down and said, listen, guys, we have, you know... Our fucking star performer here. We pay him on parity, and we make sure that motherfucker doesn't go anywhere else because without him, we are not the same band. It's very interesting how people come to make those decisions. Um, obviously, you and I coming up and trying to form bands 
either separately or together. Mm. Um, the member you want to cosset and make happy um, is the drummer, right? Of course, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a reason I mean, drummers are in four or five bands. It's because they're sought after. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to stick my neck out here. Drummers, no matter how bad, are never short of a band to join. No, it's true. No, I mean, guitarists are ten a penny, aren't they? You know, but, but you, I can't think of any band ever having sacked a drummer. <laughs> I, I, I did it once. Yes, me, me, and, my, me and my mate Sai, we, 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 chuck, we chucked a drummer out when we were in a band called, um, actually, coincidentally, we were in a band called Cascade of Darkness, which of course links to the first line of this track. It's where we, it's where we nicked the name from. Um, so there we go. Um, let's press on, Doc. Here we go. that's kind of the end of part one of the track and um, what a roller coaster it is um what, what what are we making of tom's voice here doc i think i'll say this bit of this song um represents the birth of the Araya whale um yeah. it's not a halford whale anymore <laughs> uh, it's no longer uh, it's no longer a reference it, it's 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 become a subtly different but different nevertheless thing and i'm going to have to call it um, the Tom Arrow Whale sure. from now on. because sure. um, I am really, really enjoying, I'm getting a lot out of Tom's, um, with several sets of scare quotes around it, Tom's singing. <laughs> yeah, good. On the album. Yeah, yeah. To, once again, sound a bit like a broken record. I don't like to hear people standing still. I like to hear people trying new things, even mm. if they're not completely successful. Mm. And peculiarly, I think Tom's singing are more successful than not. Sure. On this yeah. whole entire album. We, we, we mentioned the fact that the, the, yeah, there is an interview out there somewhere where, where they discuss it. I, d I did look for it. I tried to cut it into the last episode, but I couldn't find it, unfortunately. Um, you know, it's just one of these kind of obscure interviews that I, I caught on MTV at about one o'clock in the morning in the mid-90s, you know. Um, sure. The chances of finding that are pretty remote. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, 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 he's certainly trying to... He's, he's certainly trying to evolve. He's certainly trying to make some kind of progression with his voice. And by and large, yeah, I, I do agree. I think it's pretty successful. I think, though, then, you know, on future albums, he kind of abandons it, which is a little bit of a shame almost. When we get into Slayer pretty much after the next album, 
Um, I'm going to be doing a lot of rediscovering. In mm. some cases, I'm going to be doing a lot of discovering for the first time. Yeah. Because there's a lot of those future albums I've never even heard. Sure. I One of the things I hope to um, discover or rediscover for myself is at what point I stopped listening to new Slayer material. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can remember, um, please don't tell me at the moment. I hope as we go through this, I'll be able to say, there, that was it. Yeah, well, that, that was the point I decided that I, I had all the Slayer in my collection that I needed. Yeah, I, I think I know. I think I know the exact moment, but I, I will keep it. I will keep it under my hat for now. You, you may also notice, Doc, that I haven't been playing the um, guest the solo game. There's a reason for that. The reason is there are seven individual solos in this track. I thought we'd be here all night. The first one of those, or maybe the second, um, I. I would struggle with to the end of my days to decide who it was. Mm. Um, it's got the noise terrorism um, that one expects from Kerry King. I like that expression, Doc. That's uh, did, 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 have you coined that or have you lifted that from, from, from a magazine or something? It's, I haven't knowingly lifted it, but it's such a good expression. There's no way I invented that by myself. That's great. Noise terrorism. That's brilliant. Likely, if it's from anywhere, it's from the name of the band Extreme Noise Terror. Mm. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, it, it's it's I, I I don't know where it came from, but it's too good of an expression for me to have come up with by myself. <laughs> don't sell it. Don't don't sell yourself short, Doc. You you have a fine mind. <laughs> you have a fine mind on on many of your shoulders. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Um, so it's it's got the uh, the Kerry King noise terrorism, mm. but it's very very clearly making use of a lot of effects, which I associate more with Jeff. I never think of Kerry being much of an effects man. Um, I always think of him as like a guitar plug straight into the amp, onboard overdrive and tremolo arm, and that's him. Yeah, and I, mm-hmm. I, it's it, it's always Jeff. I imagine it's like crouched over his rack, mm. um, with three different kinds of distortion and some delay and some other interesting stuff. Sure. How right am I in that? Well, I think you probably are right. And, and again, I think it goes down to, you know, we've discussed it previously, the, the versatility of Jeff's playing in comparison with Kerry. You know, I think Kerry is, I mean, he's absolutely brilliant at what he does, but I think that what he does is much more narrow than what Jeff was capable of, um, even sure. down to selection of, 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 of sounds and effects. We've got one minute left, one minute, 10 seconds left. Now, I am going to play this out in its entirety because I think this section deserves to be played uninterrupted. Um, So copyright lawyers, hold on to your hats. We don't give a shit. Ready for this, Doc? Here we go. Do your best. 
so there we go that was track three from uh slayer's fourth album south of heaven that was of course live undead doc i have to tell you i think that last minute and 12 or 13 seconds you know it, it it's in my top three top maybe top five sections of slayer ever i think it is breathtaking the transition from like the doomy crawling um slow to mid-paced opening couple of minutes and tom screams the word die and as he as he hits the word die kerry starts playing that fast riff and then dave and jeff join in and from then it is fucking blitzkrieg i think it is awesome listening to you say that just then I don't understand why you don't like progressive rock. Uh-huh. Stop. Next point. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I, I couldn't actually agree with you more. Uh, it's there's that's that song is progressive rock in miniature. Mm. Um, so plenty of change of pace, plenty of changes of time. Um, skillful interplay between all of the different musicians, um, and more importantly than that, it's not just some different skilled musicians grandstanding. Um, they understand each other's working methods very, very, very well. They know when to leave each other alone. They know when to support each other. Mm. Um, we're involved in a part-time quest, aren't we? Um, what track would you play to someone who doesn't know who Slayer are and doesn't know what thrash metal sounds? I think that song is a candidate. Sure. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. It's got all of the elements, hasn't it? You know, you've got the doom. Yeah nature so you know so as not to terrify them to begin with you've got the um you know the, 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 there is melody there's great um like atmosphere invoked by the i mean the, I almost hesitate to call them solos the, the the stuff at the beginning it is just like ambient guitar noise isn't it that's going on um yeah, yeah and and then of course you know the the, the full-on kind of thrash assault at the end intercut by the way the way that they kind of intercut the the, the, the thrashy speed bursts with the solos and the way it all plays together with Tom delivering the, you know, the, the couplets of lyrics. Oh, Doc, Doc, it is a band right at the top of their game. It's fucking sensational. Yeah, and there's another thing, which is if you're using this as someone's intro to Slayer, yeah. by the time it goes, by the time it gets scary, it's already got you by the bollocks. Yeah, it's already, yeah. You, you, you're not backing out by then. Sure. Yeah. Um, come on, Doug. Anything to say before we, we move on to the... Because all I'm going to do is just sit here and gush, basically. And, and maybe that will get tedious. Well, I can do precious, precious little else. Yeah. Um, just continuing on the same theme. If you don't like this track, then you don't like thrash metal, do you? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you certainly don't like Slayer. And I think you're probably right. You, yeah, you probably don't like thrash. Or even, even heavy metal, full stop. You know, because the, the first... Two minutes or so is, you know, he, 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 well, you you said it yourself, Doc. New album, new album, tastic. Definitely. Yeah. Should, should we get on with the lyrics? Yeah, let's. Welcome to part three of the show. Um, we're just going to talk about the lyrics now. I've broken it down, Doc, into one, two, three, four, five, six sections. So here we go. Cascading darkness walls closing on me. They were shocked, but my eyes still see. So 
cascaded darkness, walls closing on me, nailed shut, but my eyes still see, severe anguish as my body evolves, the pain of life after death is resolved. All right, Doc. Um, is zombies eight? It's 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 someone coming back from the dead, mate. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, As ever, you know, I think I know what my take on on the lyrics are. But from time to time, you do you do take me by surprise, Doc. So, I'll, you know, I'll do, I'm I, you know I'm I'm waiting for for, for the Doctor Lee Quescent twist on on the words, really. But but maybe there isn't one because well, maybe there isn't one in the I've words. Um, I've got one for you, um, and actually. Once again, for the second time this episode, uh, you handed it to me. Mm. Um, so we're already very familiar with this idea that many, many Slayer songs can have lyrics that are simultaneously transcendental and mundane. Yeah. We have an expression for this, don't we, Mo? What do we call it? Uh, oh, hold on. Is it, um, uh, oh, oh, is it, is it the Slayer cosmology? It's Gnostic dualism, mate. Oh, Gnostic! Oh, god! Yeah. Smash, smash! Massive six-inch nails through my skull for getting that wrong. My apologies, Doc. I'm a poor student. That's all right. Um, so we're, we're getting very, very used to this concept. Is so in in a dualistic support to your theory. I and just because you handed it to me, I'm going to say it's about withdrawal. Uh huh. Withdrawal from anything in particular or just the general concept? I have no idea what Slayer or their close acquaintances were in the habit of using mm. at that time. Mm. Um, withdrawal from anything isn't particularly nice. Sure. Um, I, uh, I came a horrible crop, cropper trying to withdraw from coffee too quickly. Mm. Mm. Um, and it gave me cluster headaches for a year. Oh God! Mm-hmm. And, and and people may scoff so, at that, but you know, but, but you know, caffeine is it, it, certainly a drug. And you know, if if, if it's been heavily imbibed for a, a good portion of somebody's life, just cutting it off cold turkeys, you know, there, there, there are implications, aren't there? Yeah. Um, so uh, infomercial moment. Um, anyone listening? If you are approximately the age of 30, particularly if you're a man and you find yourself suffering from very severe headaches that normal painkillers and even um, prescribed migraine remedies don't seem to be doing anything for you for, try to get a diagnosis for cluster headaches. Mm. Um, Don't let anyone laugh at you. Um, They're not just headaches. They're contiguously described as um, some of the worst pain that it's possible for a human being to endure. Um, the pain gets so bad that it's not unheard of for, for people to kill themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a diagnosis available. There is harmless side effect free medication available, which is extremely effective. So if this is happening to you, your painkillers are no use, your migraine medication is no use, you've probably got cluster headaches and speak to your doctor about it. Yeah, good, good doc, good. I like it. A bit of due care and attention to our loyal listeners. Um, there's a line here, Doc, nailed shut, but my eyes still see. So, you know, if it is somebody coming back from the dead um, to be undead, why are the eyes nailed shut, Doc? What's your take on that? Um, does it actually say eyes nailed shut? Nailed shut, but my eyes still see. 
So I assume oh, that was the coffin. coffin it could be the coffin. You're right. Yeah. Maybe I've just misread it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Um, well, you've answered that one for me. Um, <laughs> that was short and sweet. Um, severe anguish as my body evolved. Now, here's my question to you, Doc. Is this a forced evolution or a natural one, in your opinion? Well, the hard scientist in me kind of recoils because I, I, I really don't like it when people use the word evolve like that. Uh-huh. Um, once, very quick science lesson. Um, species evolve. Individual organisms mutate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, mutate doesn't rhyme with resolve, does it, Doc? That's the problem. No, but it it still makes me grr a little bit. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. Um, is this naturally... Um, well, what do we know about the circumstances under which zombies are formed? It's either mm-hmm. um, by zombie-causing chemical or zombie-causing radiation. Mm-hmm. So... Um, in every case that we, in every case that we know about, from important um, Nobel Prize-winning documentaries such as *Night of the Living Dead* and *Return of the Living Dead*, yes, mm-hmm. um, the process that is being described and the process we witness is it's it's mutation. Um, it's not evolution. It's definitely forced. Mm-hmm. It's definitely the the DNA. One assumes that the, the DNA, or um, as that. Um, very trustworthy redneck sheriff who we assume is apart from being a redneck sheriff um, is also a um a world-class um bioelectronic specialist sure um speculates that the radiation has an effect on the brain that makes you come back to life <laughs> so tut tut slayer there's some bad science going on here mm. um i'll forgive slayer almost anything when they write a song that's good but i need to point out um it's not natural evolution or forced evolution or anything because it isn't evolution at all. It's mutation, which is get over, get over yourself. Uh, Just get on with it. Uh, Shut your mouth. Which is presumably caused by zombie causing radiation or zombie causing <laughs> chemicals, or possibly as zombie causing voodoo spells. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've I've got a theory bubbling up here, but but I'm not I'm not going to reveal it for 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 a couple of verses actually. Um, so my turn to my turn to offer a little uh, throw forward uh, teaser. Um, anything else on these few lines, Doc, that you want to you get off your chest? Well, if we pursue the mundane route for a second, there's not a lot of supporting <coughs> evidence here. Um, I don't think many people consider the process of withdrawal and recovery. I don't know, having undergone the process of withdrawal and recovery would you possibly look back on the experience as, as as an evolution so using evolution in the context of becoming of, of, of changing into a superior creature mm-hmm. i'm putting that out there i like it yeah so we've got a theory um i think we've we've got you know like a um a figurative theory which you've just described i think we've got a shared theory which is that, you know, this is just a, a track about uh, like a zombie resurrection, effectively. And there's a third theory bubbling away that I will reveal shortly. Um, next set of lyrics. Here we go. Emptiness in twilight's rebirth. The Emptiness in twilight's rebirth, the faint sounds of shoveled earth, 
madness growing as your mind dissolves, merely secrets in my dreams. So the, the lovely first line, emptiness in twilight's rebirth. Um, and, and that could that could tie into your addiction theory, couldn't it, Doc? You know, it, 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 you, you know, your the, 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 the rebirth that comes after you shake off an addiction, you know, maybe maybe there is like a sense of loss and emptiness and almost pining for the, for, you know, for, for the good old days when you when, when you were allowed to imbibe whatever mind altering substance it was that got you through the day. Yeah, and it's typically the time of day when um, people feel their withdrawal the most. Yeah, um, of course. There's, 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 there's almost, and I don't know whether this is intentional, there's almost a Billie Holiday reference here. And mm. if, if I've got this right, the lyrics are, uh, evening never comes too soon, I can face the afternoon, but it really starts to tell around midnight. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I've read many accounts of um, like recovering alcoholics and drug addicts who talk, who do talk about the period, you know, between seven o'clock in the evening and ten o'clock at night being the most perilous, you know, um, mm. because that, you know after that point, especially for the alcoholic, you know the you know the pubs are starting to shut, the the, the off licenses are, are, are shutting down. So if you haven't got your fix by then, likely is you're not going to until the next day. Um, well, you know. the, then the, the 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 environmental habituation is lessening by then, yeah. isn't it? That's right. That's right. Um, merely secrets in my dreams. Dreams of what, Doc? I mean, for me, this is like dreams of when this kind of undead creature was a person, basically. So just like remnants, fragments of memories of their kind of previous human life. Slayer referenced dreams, not constantly, um, only occasionally. I get the idea that um, Mr. Hanneman is not accustomed to having particularly warm or comforting dreams, don't you? Sure, yeah. <laughs> There's a very, very potent reference to dreams in a song that we're not going to come to for a good few weeks and I'm not going to mention here. Mm. You already know which one it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm saving stuff for that. Sure. Um, I'm going to speculate that everyone's got their own take on what it means to dream. Some people look forward to it. Some people find it a time when they can expand their mind. Some people, and I think Tom might be one, and I think the narrator um, of this song is another one, um, people fear and dread dreaming because it's when either their subconscious or the bad parts of their imagination um, begin to manifest in ways that they don't find very enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And I suppose, There's I suppose re- crucially, you know, it, it's the time when we have least control over our, you know, our, our subconscious um, musings, in a way. Yeah, and the thing that we completely lose control over. Um, fortunately, we're asleep, so not many people take actions during their dreams. But <clears throat> something we lose control over completely is our sense of time. Sure. Um, sleep studies indicate that almost no one dreams for more than about a minute and a half. Five yes, minutes I'm- is a really long dream. But within that minute and a half, because you've got no yardstick, because you've got no sense of time, you can experience hours and days and weeks. Yeah, it, it is true, isn't it? You know, it it's like that episode of um, uh, Star Trek The Next Generation where I think Picard is, is, is knocked unconscious by a probe. I think he's unconscious for five or six minutes, but he experiences a whole lifetime in that five or six minutes. That's the inner light, isn't it? Inner light, you got it. That's correct. Yeah. Um, one of my... Th- 
one of my top 10 favourite television episodes ever. Sure, it, it really, really is good. Um, anything else to say on the on, on these four lines, Doc, or should we press on to the next um, eight or so that we've got next? Yeah, I don't know how well this fits in with your theory, but yeah. um, when Slayer talk about dreams, I mean, there's a reason that every culture in the world has some variant of the expression, like your worst dreams coming true. Sure. Slayer songs tend to feature dreams as being prefigurative. Um, and there's very often some reference to that thing, that fundamentally, that thing, that really awful dream I had now seems to be coming true. Mm-hmm. Let's carry on, because I want to know about your take on this. Night grows cold, twilight's near, on the edge of madness, the wounds are sheared, forms of hanging flesh, shredded carcass, no spare breath, imprisoned in a shell, ready to explode, dead soul, stone cold, out into the night. Um, First question here, Doc. Um, The wounds are sheared. Now, I I had to look this up, Doc, because I didn't really know what that meant. Do you understand it? Well, I, I think it's another bit of slayer bad grammar. Um, shears are big scissors that you would typically use in light metal work or gardening. Mm-hmm. Um, and sheared wounds would be deep, brutal, jagged. Mm. Um, and crucially, um, because of the nature of the tool that's being used, the, the, the shears are crude tools. Um, they're used to cut a lot of material in a short space of time. Um, they're not made to fit nicely. They're not made to leave a nice clean edge. You could, if, if you used shears on a person, you'd end up, for instance, with wounds that would be very difficult to suture and impossible to suture without leaving a really ugly scar. Sure. But I, I think, Doc, Slayer have a greater understanding of wounds than you and I do, because they are not using it as a noun, as in like a pair of shears, they're using it as a verb. And here is what it means. A shear as pertaining to wounds, um, a combination of downward pressure and friction. It occurs at the deepest layers of tissue, resulting in cell deformation and cell death. Shearing is one of the major causes of skin breakdown in sitting and occurs during transfers, reaching, weight shifts or repositioning of an individual. How about that, Doc? So we're really talking about stuff like bed sores, effectively. Sure. There we go. So it is a medical term. So they are not wrong. You know, it's just a really obscure term um, that that, that they've plucked out. Wow. They're evil. The evil thesaurus of medical terms, basically. Yeah, um, and um, I, I, I appreciate the chance to learn something, and that's fantastic. There we go, Doc. Yeah, I thought you'd enjoy that. Um, <clears throat> that my only other note, and it, and this is my this is my crackpot theory of the week as as to what this song potentially could be about. I think there's two possibilities. Possibility one, the one we've already discussed, you know, this is just about like a zombie coming back to life, basically, um, or to unlife, as it were. Or could it be? And we've been here before, Doc. We were here on the last album, and you were astonished then mm-hmm. that I brought it up. Um, I think it's another Super Soldier song. 
Oh, oh, I think they're singing about that. super soldiers again. Undead super soldiers. It's one of their themes. They love it. It's part of the Slayer cosmology. <laughs> um, so, um, along with um, Nazis and serial killers, yep. um, shall we include undead super soldiers as undead one of the themes? Super that's, soldiers. I'm, I'm convinced of it. Must occur on every Slayer album. <laughs> I'm absolutely convinced of it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, 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 that's my take. You know, that, that, that's my hot take. It's I, I haven't read that anywhere. You know, I've, I've been digging around. Nobody else apart from me thinks this. I don't care what anybody else thinks. This is about super soldiers, Doc. I was going to say now that we've discovered the meaning of the word wounds. Mm. Um, I was going to suggest this verse and probably this, but this verse only. Um, is about someone um, undergoing um, like uh, end of life care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I think I think that links in with my, with, with my theory. I, I think that this is somebody, you know, but perhaps um, somebody who's already a soldier or a policeman, something like that. Um, they've been it's RoboCop basically. You know that they, they've been they've been right. mort- they've been mortally wounded in the line of duty. Um, and they're, you know, they're, they're being kept alive or, or, or resurrected or as a zombie mutant super soldier, basically. Resurrected right? as a zombie mutant super soldier. Could, I mean, nothing could be more simple, surely. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to remind you of something a bit later on. Um, I'm. I'm not going to counter. Or I, I'm. I'm going to counter you. Uh, I hope you understand in a friendly and joshua way. It's, it's, it's all part of the game. It's all part of the game we're playing. The next four lines, um, I'm going to suggest to you, are precisely redolent of um, a junkie at the absolute end of their tether, staggering mm-hmm. out of your beloved stinking hovel of a. Um, Better department. Sure. Yeah, so we're back um, there. We're back, we're, again, we've got common themes. Yeah. Um, so staggering out of their horrible little apartment, out into the street at about one o'clock in the morning, um, just desperate to find the man. Let's go back to your um, zombie mutant super soldiers. Mm-hmm. Imprisoned in a shell. Do you imagine that to be an artillery shell or an eggshell? No, no, I, I think that's the body. I, I, I think the body is being described as the shell, basically ready to explode, you know, you know, ready to burst into life effectively, you know, um, sure. you know, because explode, you know, as, as you know, sometime French speaker, you know, to burst, to explode. It's the same. It's the same verb in French. So I, I think it's perfectly plausible. We can use it in the same way in English. Um, dead soul stone cold out into the night so you know the, the, this super soldier has now been sent on its kind of on its mission effectively um, you see I really wanted you to tell me that in your mind you thought the means of deploying the army mm-hmm. of zombie super soldiers would be to load them into the projectile of an artillery shell and well, fire them onto the battlefield I think what I think they I think they are placed somehow they are placed um, ensconced in graveyards in enemy territory, ah. and then they <laughs> and then they rise up from the graves. Um, so you can imagine the front line, and the, and the enemy are kind of pointing towards. Let, let's imagine that we're the good guys, and we we're the ones with the super soldiers. 
Um, so the enemy are, are looking our way, are moving our way. Unbeknownst to them, we have somehow ensconced hundreds of zombie <laughs> super soldiers into their graveyards that are rising up behind them. So it's, it's like a pincer movement. You've got the regular military in front of them and the undead army of super soldiers approaching from the rear. Can you imagine anything oh. more horrific? Yeah, uh, I think that's what that, that's what's called an intercession, isn't it? When you, I don't know. Um, you uh, so this is a tactic carried out by the Germans very successfully during the withdrawal from the Ardennes mm. in 1944, mm -hmm. and the regular army would feign a retreat to draw their enemy into a forested area, sure. and they would have secreted um, irregulars and commandos um, in the forest. To, to, to intercede behind the advancing forces and cut off their withdrawal. Sure. And also cut off their resupply. Mm -hmm. And it was a, a technique, I think, used by the retreating Germans very, very successfully in Belgium um, in the winter of 1944. Um, your description, I can't help but imagine the sort of already slightly twitchy, slightly unnerved enemy soldier advancing forward and putting his foot down, there's a stab of music and a rotting zombie hand pops out of the ground and grasps oh, yes. his ankle. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's it. That's the end of Act One of the movie, basically. Um, yeah. Perfect. Absolutely uh, perfect. Um, next set of lyrics, Doc, what do we think? Voices inside my head hold me under. Voices oppress like roaring thunder. An echo bouncing inside my brain. How much can I take of the pain? The pain. So, I mean, for me, this is this is the this is the the, the super soldier being brainwashed, basically trying to eradicate any any right. any semblance of, of of his past life. Um, this is a this this is the brainwashing program. So this is, uh, and once again, we, we've, we've seen this in uh, too many um, evil hospital films such as we love. Mm. Uh, this is the white noise sensory deprivation technique, isn't it? That's it. Um, how, how does this tie in with your, with your theory, Doc, about the, uh, you know, the, the withdrawal, the addict in withdrawal? Because I think it works too. I think so too. Um, yeah. I've heard many people talk about... Um, one thing you get a lot during withdrawal is earworms. So you'll get a particular phrase or a particular fragment of music that goes on a very short loop and goes round and round and round and drives sure. you mad. Uh -huh. uh, and it has an echoing quality until mm -hmm. after a little while, um, the thing loops back on itself until it's echo and, and mm -hmm. until it echoes and until it sounds like white noise. Mm -hmm. um, I, I wouldn't be surprised to discover that whoever came up with that sensory deprivation and white noise deprogramming or brainwashing technique um, had endured some form of withdrawal themselves. Sure, sure. It also ties in with, with um, you know, potential source of inspiration. I will need to check the dates, but I've already mentioned RoboCop. Now, 
there is a sequence there, there is a sequence in robocop i think robocop came out in 87 in which case it is possible that it would you know that, that, that it was an inspiration um <clears throat> there is a sequence where um murphy the, the the you know the the, the titular character of robocop is actually an ex-policeman called murphy he yeah. in the guise of robocop he goes back he doesn't know why he's doing it but he goes back to his family home um and which, which is now um empty and in the process of being sold um presumably because his wife has moved away because she can't tolerate being there and you know because of the memories um and he imagines her and again there is this kind of strange echoing quality she keeps repeating the phrase i love you murphy I love you, Murphy. And there is like an echo on the voice um, as she just repeats that phrase over and over and over. Um, so, you know, again, as usual, Doc, you know, we, we, we're, coming at, we're coming at this from very different positions, but I, th I think both of our arguments are reasonably plausible, even though, admittedly, I am, I am playing this a little bit for laughs. There's nothing wrong with that either. Um, I've... There's no reason why you have to. We're talking about progressive rock earlier on. There's yeah. no way. There's, there's no reason why you have to approach a serious subject with a po-faced, uptight, serious face on. No. Um, I think starting to discuss things and playing them for laughs is a perfectly good place to start serious critical thinking. Sure, sure. Um, um, next few lines, Doc. I have one. a question. Oh, go on, go on, sir. Well, one more thing. Uh, this, how much can I take of the pain, the pain? Is that a conscious echo of Mr. Kurtz from Hearts of Darkness, Oblique Stroke, Colonel Kurtz from Apocalypse mm -hmm. Now, mm -hmm. final words, the horror, the horror? Yeah, but the, the, I mean, the, the, that, was more, that was exactly my interpretation. Yep, the, the, that, just that yeah. kind of repetition. Yep, that, that is a, to me, that's a clear Apocalypse Now reference. And again, you know, that, that, that's why to me it, it, it is the, like the, the, the super soldier thing. And I know that Apocalypse Now is not about super soldiers, but it is very, very <laughs> militaristic, shall we say. I would be shocked um, if there wasn't an Italian knockoff of Apocalypse <laughs> Now, but with, but with zombie super soldiers in it. Yeah, um, yeah. And if there wasn't, if there wasn't Lucio Fulci, what were you doing? I know. And, and, and the title writes itself, doesn't it, which would be Zombie Apocalypse Now, surely. <laughs> oh that's fantastic there we go doc i'll, I'll give you that for free don't worry <laughs> oh that's Aging deep inside my head, a split decision that will end with me dead. You see the agony in my eyes, protruding aimless. I think it's time to die. And that's the moment when Tom screams that word, and, and that's when the track kind of blasts off into super supercharged thrash. Um, Since we've got a, a smile on our faces this evening, um, first, do you, when we were playing the song and I was listening very, very closely, I heard that line as protruding anus, and I am sorry. <laughs> well, I mean, to be honest, why not? Yes. Um, I've, I mean, I've got a big question mark next to me. What is protruding? I don't, I don't really understand the use of that verb. 
I think it's a reference to his eyes, which are protruding. You see the agony in my eyes, protruding, aimless, like like bug-eyed, um, um, effectively, like like Meso Ozil. Whether um, I don't know whether he means sightless or unseeing or uncomprehending. Mm. Um, I think the he's going for is. Um, you know, like typically when someone's undergoing uh, uh, undergoing decompression or something like that, and mm-hmm. their, their eyes are popping out of their skull. Sure. The deformity in the eyeballs is such that they can't possibly be forming a clear image of anything. Sure. Yeah. Um, it's aimless. In other words, uh, aimless, not meaning directionless, but unable to take aim. Are they swiveling from side to side? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it makes it, it does make sense. Um, and it could also, I mean, that could tie into to my theory too. Um, you know, as, as part of the, I don't know, as part of the, the conversion process to turn somebody into an, an undead super soldier, maybe you, you put them under great, I don't know why you would do, but maybe, maybe you need to put them under great pressure in some way so that their eyes are bulging out of their, out of their skulls. Who knows? Who knows what these crazy crackpot scientists do, Doc? I think fundamentally, because we've already determined that this movie was directed by Lucio Fulci, mm. um, there absolutely has to be a... a, um, a a scene of eye violence that, that, that there has to be some eye popping in it, doesn't there? Yeah, I think you're right. desire feeds the fire that burns in your head. Intense pain eats away at your brain, Thorazine pumping through your veins. Death walks inside you, smell death around you, hell's evil spell takes a soul. Hear the sound of the bell, counting off death tolls, laughing as you eternally rot, searching for human flesh and life's blood, live undead. There we go. And that's the end of the track. Um, I say some of my favorite these days, as much as I enjoy searching for intelligence and depth in Slayer lyrics, mm. sometimes my favorite bits happen when Kerry King just lets loose with the, <laughs> the bad metal lyrics. <laughs> um, yeah. This is Kerry King. Is, is, is this Kerry King? Is this Kerry I, King writing? I think um, this is Tom and Kerry writing together. A cannibal's desire feeds the fire that burns inside your head. Yeah. Intense pain eats away at your brain. <laughs> Thorazine pumping through your... Oh, that, that's Kerry. That's pure Kerry. That is. That's 100% Kerry right there. Yeah, it is great. Um, yeah, but, it, but it's delivered with I mean, such conviction by Tom. Uh, we, it, it all gets a pass. It, it certainly all does get a pass. Um, within a couple of years of this album being written, um, 
it would like almost become illegal in metal to rhyme pain and brain. I know, yeah. It's like dead and head, isn't it? You just can't do it. <laughs> dead and head, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, Thorazine, that, that's interesting. My understanding, understanding is that Thorazine is an antipsychotic. So again, I think I think this taps into my uh, super soldier theory. You know, this is what they're this is what they're pumping them full of just to stop them going absolutely psycho crazy until they want them to basically. Yeah, I mean, uh, we assume that they would use massive amounts of stimulants of mm. um, and, and, and methamphetamine of some description to, mm-hmm. uh, or some PCP derivative to yeah. animate the corpse and also to make it invulnerable to gunfire mm-hmm. um, and to to make it controllable at all. They would then have to counter that with massive amounts of antipsychotics. We've got this a little bit of cosmology here. Hell's evil spell takes the soul um i think you know i, th- I think just a, just a little sprinkling of of super supernaturality if such a word exists and then here's an interesting bit for me for my theory hear the sound of the bell counting off death's toll that that's the trigger isn't it that's the that's the that's the activation basically it might not literally be a right. bell, but that's literally activating the soldier yeah, this is the church bell in the ruined, bomb-damaged church Correct. in the middle of the graveyard where the super... Right. Correct. Um, Behind the enemy lines. Yeah, so um, presumably there's um, there's a priest who's secretly working for our side who has mm-hmm. to sort of make his way um, under cover of darkness and, and like come up with, keep coming up with convenient excuses to the uh, the occupying enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, like what, what he's doing after, out after curfew. But of course, we know he's going to go into the ruined church and ring the bell. That's it. That's it. And activate the activate the undead army, basically. Yeah. Um, there's a great line here, Doc. Laughing as you eternally rot. Now, this is a little bit of real-life Slayer mythology. Um, on the first Slayer album, Show No Mercy... On the spine of the record, it said, Satan laughs as you eternally rot, which, of course, letter by letter spells out Slayer. So here they've used the same oh, expression. Oh, that's wonderful. How about that, Doc? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So laughing as you that eternally rot. A little bit of self-referential action going on here. Of course, laughing as you eternally rot. Uh, acronyms. Can I use that as a verb? Acronyms down to layer. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know what we can possibly torture out of that. So, you know, the acronym would be layer. Now, it doesn't really seem to mean much at a stretch. You could no. say like the different layers of hell. Um, but to me, this is, again, this is, I think, I think it's a nice self-referential line, but also ties into that Slayer, Slayer mythology, the cosmology of the idea of the eternal war. You know, so these soldiers that have been created, they're not just super soldiers, they are undead super soldiers that will just keep going forever and never, ever ever stop or when this battle is over will they go back into their graves ready mm. to be stunned again um presumably they, they they have some supernatural ability to deflect to, to detect when there's a, a, a conflict taking place sure. just like in zombie lake mate of course yeah mm-hmm. it's all perfectly plausible it makes sense in my at least it makes sense in my mind doc i don't know about anybody else's um, um how do, you, how do you tie this, the, 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 you know, the, the, these lines into your your um, addiction theory, Doc? I can't accept 
like by the most tenuous possible means. Yeah. Um, I've never heard of Thorazine being used as any sort of soporific during withdrawal or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard of Valium being used for that purpose or diazepam being used for that purpose, but never Thorazine. Sure. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and then the last few uh, lines here, searching for human flesh and life's blood. So, you know, in, in, in my narrative here, maybe, you know, in order to, in order to keep, you know, to, to, to keep going to, you know, to, 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 to gain enough energy to, to, to keep marching, you know, maybe, maybe they just need to absorb organic matter. Eat flesh and drink blood. Well, the, 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 there is a real, there is a real world um, application of this, isn't there? That where, where the, you know, the, 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 there is a patent. Um, I believe it's by the US military for robotic um, military combatants to absorb, to absorb um, energy from the fallen bodies of the enemy. I didn't know that at all. That's Which is disgusting and fascinating. Isn't that time. horrifying and genuinely, yes. genuinely fascinating? Yeah. Um, uh, any final thoughts, Doc, before we've got to wrap this bad boy up? I mean, there's, the lyrics are a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, these lyrics are. It, it's 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 been a long time since we had a resurrected mutant zombie super soldier song. And I can't although, remember although I the last track. Yeah, yeah. It was it was definitely on Rainy uh, Blood, but I can't remember the the specific track actually. And I think one per album is enough, but yes. I, I I would really miss it if, if if there suddenly wasn't one per album. <laughs> um, it's, um, after the um, pretty grim, pretty earthbound, pretty mundane mm-hmm. nature of rain and blood, um, mm-hmm. it's really, really doing good to to read some um, some Kerry King classicism here. Sure, yeah. And, um, and, and, well, the, and, I, mean, I mean, the last episode was was pretty tough, wasn't it? Silent Scream was 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 pretty tough going. So yeah, it's it's nice to have a bit of yes. a chuckle. Yeah, um, and uh, I mean one. Um, I'm going to introduce the concept. I've introduced the concept of the Hanuman whale, mm. uh, the uh, Araya whale. I'm now going to introduce the concept of the king point. And uh, a song gets a king point every time it uses cliched heavy metal imagery or a cliched heavy metal rhyme and containing the couple, uh, con- containing the, um, the diphthong evil spell. Mm. It gets a king point for that. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, hear the sound of the, um, so soul and toll. Uh, hell's evil spell takes a soul. Hear the sound of the bell counting off off death tolls. Awkward, indiscriminate rhyming. It gets yeah, another Kerry King point. And, for and that. you've got pain, brain, and vein a bit earlier in the a bit earlier in the yeah. vo- in the vo- in the verse. Well, um, rhyming pain and brain or head and dead yeah. will each get you a, a, a king point. <laughs> um, so. Um, I think these last two verses score five Kerry King points wow. by themselves. Wow. I wonder. And, and very shortly, we're going to find out how that equates to liquescent, liquescent swords, aren't we? So there we go. How fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. There we go. Um, are we done, Doc, on the lyrics? I think we are. Welcome to part four of the podcast. Here we're going to give you our final thoughts and summations. But of course, before that, I'll give you some details as normal. Uh, writing credits here for Live Undead. Music by Jeff Hanneman. 
of course, when the song is this good, guys, hopefully by now you've figured out, it's always written by Jeff Hanneman, um, lyrics <laughs> by Tom Araya and Kerry King. According to Setlist, this was played a poultry, I would say, 108 times, putting it in 57th oh. position. I don't understand that, Doc. That makes no sense to me. What, what do you make of that? Could it be because it's a fucking hard to play? I mean, maybe, yeah, maybe it is. Maybe it's just such a challenge to play live. Yeah, that that, that is possible. But I watched them play it live earlier today in preparation, and I mean, they pulled it off with some gusto. So that would surprise me. But I can't, I, I can't think of another explanation. Maybe it just takes a lot out of them, you know? Um, yeah. First play, um, <clears throat> a place called Studio West in Phoenix, Arizona, on the fifteenth of August, nineteen eighty-eight. Last play was at the MTS Center in Winnipeg, MB. Do you know what that is, Doc? Because I had to look it up. Winnipeg? Uh, I always assumed it was somewhere in... Is that Manitoba? Very well done, sir. I had to look that up, but the, the doctor's massive brain comes good again. Uh, <laughs> and that was on June the 29th, 2009. Um, according to Loudwire, as ever, guys, go and check out um, Loudwire for the 118 Slayer Tranks rank. That's a citation. Um, live and Dead is a rare Slayer track because it never truly explodes after its incredible intro riff. The inventive and chilling lead sets the band up for one of the most memorable South of Heaven tracks, but Araya's verses don't quite hit the same heights. Regardless, Live and Dead remains awesome and fits snugly into our top 40. Disagree with pretty much every fucking word. Yeah. It doesn't... Which is unusual have, for Loudwire. You're right, yeah, but we we didn't agree with that with, with their review of um, Silent Scream either. So they, 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 they've hit a rocky patch here. It never truly explodes. What are they talking about? That's the opposite <laughs> of what's true. Um, all right, Doc. Final thoughts before you pronounce. I really enjoyed this one. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely going to mark that up as um, one of my songs to introduce people to Slayer, Oblique Stroke songs to introduce people to heavy metal. Yeah, It's got a little bit of everything about Slayer that I like, mm -hmm. including the ridiculous Kerry King lyrics. Mm. <laughs> and it also gives every evidence that it's about resurrected zombie mutant super soldiers and what's not to like about mm. that. Mm. I, mean, yeah, I mean, for me, it's... It, 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 it really is um, just, it's one of my favourite Slayer tracks. It, it, it is just a, a, a heap load of fun. Um, the lyrics are great. The music is, is, is kind of surprisingly complicated. Um, it, and, and just when it kicks in for that last, that, that last section, honestly, you, you cannot wipe the shit-eating grin off my face. <laughs> um, it's awesome. Doc, give me a score. Um, eight. Eight for the dark. Eight. Yeah, yeah where, where, where are the couple of points? You, you know, I ask you from time to time. Where's where it lost a couple of points for you, Doc? Um, it just doesn't deliver quite everything. Yeah. The very best. I, I mean, it, it's massive fun for which it gets eight points. Mm. Um, the fact of it being that almost precludes it from having the last two points because Slayer at the very best make my skin crawl. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and Slayer at the very best make me think disturbed thoughts while yeah. the song is playing. And this this doesn't this doesn't touch my guts and it doesn't touch the sinister part of my brain.
this is like the musical equivalent of a of a Hammer movie as opposed to a Mika Takashi film, for example. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. It's almost like what it did to get the eight points almost by definition precludes it from getting the last two. Yeah, I, I totally understand. Well, I mean, I, th- I think you know where I'm going here, Doc. Let's be honest. Oh, um, you know, it, 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 it's another 10. It's, a, it's 10 mouldering most schools out of 10, which you know what that means, don't you, Doc? That is three tens in a row for this album. Now, let me tell you, not every song is going to get 10, um, you know, but I can only score what I hear, Doc, you know, and for me, the opening of this album is just so, so strong. Three straight 10 out of 10. There we go, guys. We, we're through. We've done it. We've done it again. Oh, I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Okay, that about does it for this episode. Don't forget you can contact us on Twitter at Bearcast or on email at slatanicbearcast at gmail.com. And for the perverts, Facebook, Slatanic Bearcast as well. Um, join us next time when we will be discussing the fourth track from South of Heaven, which is called Behind the Crooked Cross. I wonder what that one's about, Doc. What do you reckon? <laughs> See you uh, then. Well, that one about zombie super soldiers. No, I wonder what this. See you later. <laughs> See you later. <laughs>